Well, happy Mother's Day to all you mothers who are out there. It's good to see all of you here today. If you're worshiping with us online, happy Mother's Day to you mothers who are worshiping with us as well. Thanks for joining in. Uh, we are going to wind up our series, This Is Us, next week. But this morning winds up the fifth of the five values that describes how we are trying to live out this purpose statement uh, that we believe God has given to us. And, and the fifth value reads like this. I want you to read it out loud with me from the screen. You ready? We create fun, refreshing experiences. Read it again like you mean it. We create fun, refreshing experiences. Well done. Now, that one took a lot of discussion, uh, but I'm really glad that made the list. This is one of my favorites. Let, let me break it down just for you a little bit. First word, the action word is create, all right? We create. It is a word of intentionality. In other words, we don't wait for something to just accidentally happen. We work to make it happen. That's important. I believe the kingdom of God is to be known as the best environment possible. You see, if not in the presence of the Lord, then where does a person find lasting joy and peace and hope in this world? And so I believe that taking the initiative to create fun, refreshing atmosphere is important in the life of the church. That, that's why we did the um, March Madness uh, program uh, service about two months ago back in, in March. Took a lot of time and planning and effort, but it was a fun and I hope refreshing day for you. And it certainly was for me. The last word in that value is the word experience. In other words, this is deeper than a mere uplifting thought, as important as uplifting thoughts are. This is an encounter, an occurrence, an event, a happening, an experience that makes and leaves an impact. Now, the two adjectives, fun and refreshing, are not synonyms. Now, they may, they may sort of go together. You can have something that's fun and refreshing. But refreshing doesn't always have to be something fun. It just has to be refreshing. So we're going to take a look at both of those uh, for a uh, little bit this morning. And, and then I hope draw some quick conclusions at, at the end. Let's begin with fun. Now there are some in this world who believe that everything that happens in the life of the church ought to be serious all the time. You know anybody like that? I don't believe that's true. If we who have been forgiven and have the hope of everlasting life. If we can't laugh and have fun in the presence of that promise of Jesus Christ, then who can? You see, I think a sense of humor and an infectious laugh are gifts from God. I think that laughter is a universal language. I don't care where you are in the world. I don't care what background, what ethnic group, what language you speak. Everybody understands laughter and the smile that goes with it. As a matter of fact... Laughter knows no age boundaries. The laughter of a baby changes a lot of people's hearts. Listen. <laughs> or if you're in a group that's laughing. Does something to you, doesn't it? Now, I looked around while that baby was laughing. To be true, there are some sore heads here this morning. But most of you... Most of you were either smiling or you were laughing or chuckling because you just can't listen to that without it sort of catching on. Why? Because God created us that way. And since we are created in the image of God, I believe that God laughs also. <laughs> you don't think that's true? You don't think God has a sense of humor? Then look at the person at the opposite end of the pew. You'll know God has a sense of humor. 
The Bible even tells us that God laughs. Psalm 37, 12 verse and 13 says, The wicked plot against the godly. They snarl at them in defiance, but the Lord just laughs. Now, there are other passages in Psalms that tell us about the laughter of God. Then you come to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that marvelous passage that delineates that everything in this life has a season, and it begins and reads like this. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. And then skipping down to verse 4, it says, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. And God has made everything beautiful in its time. I think Jesus had an awesome sense of humor. Now, we we don't think of that very often. We sort of gloss past a lot of things. One of of my favorite artist renderings of Jesus is this one. It shows him laughing. And I really think that captures his image better than than some of the somber pictures that we all have. There were somber times, to be sure. There are somber times in our life as well. But that's how I picture Jesus, just with his head back, laughing from deep down inside. And and I'll tell you why I believe that. Little children flock to be around Jesus. And I've learned through the years that little children are pretty good judges of character. Children are not drawn to grumpy people. But they are drawn to happy, joyful, laughing, cheerful people. And the kids, wherever Jesus went, the kids just crowded around him. So much so that the disciples tried to get them away from Jesus. And he said, oh, no, 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 don't do that. You let the little ones come to me because that's what heaven's like. That's what the kingdom of God is like. The joy, the innocence, the faith, the trust of these little children. Jesus interjected humor in his teaching. I have to believe that when when Jesus said, you go tell Herod that old fox that there were people that kind of chuckled at that picture and that image of Herod. In the Sermon on the Mount, we have this oftentimes Jewish hist- uh, humor that day and time was built around the theme of exaggeration. And in the Sermon on the Mount, you have this marvelous picture that, again, we just read past it, where Jesus talks about the guy trying to pick the speck out of somebody else's eye while he's got a log hanging out of his own eye. Now, I'm telling you, that would have brought down the house when Jesus said that. That is a, and you've got to admit, that's a humorous picture. Think about a guy. He's got a two before hanging out of this eye. And he's trying to pick a speck out of somebody else's eye. It is a funny picture. Jesus nicknamed James and John the sons of thunder or the sons of commotion. <laughs> I mean, yes, there was some truth to that. But it's, it gets kind of funny. Hey, thunder boys, come here. You know, Jesus had this rare sense of humor. <clears throat> I don't know if you see the humor in this one or not, but I do. It is right after the moment of Jesus' very first resurrection. The synagogue ruler Jairus had come to Jesus and said, my my daughter is sickened to death. Will you go to the house and heal her? And so on the way, Jesus gets interrupted more than once. By the time they reach the house, the daughter has died. Jesus goes up to the upper room where she is still lying on the bed. And her folks and a few of the disciples are up there. Maybe there are a handful of other people. There's not many. Jesus doesn't let many in the room. And he takes the girl by the hand and he says, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she sits up and then she begins to walk and everybody is just standing there astonished. They don't know what to do. And she's walking around. Now you would think at that moment that Jesus would have said something profound, something divine, something incredibly religious. Do you know what he says? Give the girl something to eat. She's been sick. She's been dead. She's probably hungry. Give her something to eat. I think it broke the tension of the moment. 
I think there was, there was like, well, of course, yeah, we, we need to feed the girl. She's been... You see, I think in that moment, Jesus took a very tense situation and turned it into joy. And once they laughed and released and knew what was going on, joy filled that house again. There are other responses in Scripture that are, that are humorous, if you stop to think. The name Isaac, you know what the name Isaac means? It means laughter. The son who came really late in life to Abraham and Sarah means laughter. When Sarah heard the news that she was going to be expecting a child way late in life, she laughed, and the name stuck. There's just something humorous. Or how about Second Chronicles chapter 21, verse 20, that records the death of King Jehoram. You would expect it to read like this. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He passed away and was buried in the city of David. That's what you'd expect. But that's not the way the Bible records it. I left out four words. It really reads like this. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. He passed away to no one's regret <laughs> and was buried in the city of David. <laughs> now we don't know exactly who wrote Chronicles it might have been Ezra we're not sure but th that's a pretty cool thought there this guy's adding in his own commentary nobody cares the King Jehoram passed away boy was he a waste and what about Paul's use of anatomy as an illustration for the way the body of Christ ought to work together? He talks about the body and all the organs of the body working together. And he said, but what if the church, what if everybody in the church was an eye? What if the church was just one big eye or one big ear walking down the street? And you get this image. It's a humorous picture. He said, what if the foot says to the hand? Well, I'm not a hand. I guess I'm not a part of the body. It's a very beautiful, it's a very humorous, it's a very accurate passage to describe to us that we're supposed to work together as a wonderful family. Well, you get the picture. The Lord and his example and God's word encourage laughter and joy. Proverbs 17.22 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. So how important is humor to our lives? Well, I, I think it's really important. I think it's one of the reasons that God gives us memories so that we have something to laugh about along the way. You know, you look back and you laugh about moments in time that maybe you didn't even laugh at at the time. But but memories bring laughter and joy. <laughs> One of my favorite Proverbs, and you know this, is Proverbs 19.24. Some people dig a fork into the pie but are too lazy to raise it to their mouth. That's a funny proverb. If you can't get pie to your mouth with or without a fork, you've got a problem, folks. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> Speaking of pie, have I ever told you the story about the uneaten chocolate pie? Many years ago, right, well, it was probably early on, maybe the second year that Elsie and I were here ministering, uh, the, the Petrie family, Tom, Bev, and Amy Petrie. Amy Lanham now, if, uh, if you know Amy. Um, Amy was getting ready to take piano lessons. She was going to take piano lessons from Elsie. And her grandfather, Tom's dad, had an old, heavy, upright piano that he was going to give to her. And they were going to get it moved. And at that time, I had a Datsun pickup truck, one of the little, small Datsun pickup trucks. For those of you who are too young, that's what Nissan used to be, okay, uh, Datsun. And so, anyway, I said, well, let's just take it in my pickup truck. So we loaded it up in the truck. There were several of us had to get it up there. We tied a rope over the top. We put some sandbags around the bottom to keep it from moving around. <laughs> Down the hill here where the roundabout is used to be one of the worst turns in Bloomington. 
it was a 90 degree turn, but it was a, it had a washboard effect to it. The, the washboard was just, I mean, you know, you'd drive over that and it would just, well, your car would kind of teeter. So I knew that. And coming down around that curve, I slowed way down because I didn't want anything to happen to take it too fast and, you know, mess up with the piano. So I started around that curve. Didn't matter. As the truck sort of did this, I could hear the piano shaking. And then all of a sudden I heard a funk, whop, and then boing, 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 boing. <laughs> and I knew what had happened, that, that we had lost the piano. It had gone over the back. Amy is looking out the back window. Her eyes are huge. I'm just, oh, my stomach has dropped out from under me. And then down the hill comes another car and stops, rolls down his window and says, hey, get that piano out of the road. Like we didn't know that the piano had fallen out of the truck and was there in the road. I didn't say anything to the guy. If I were doing that today, at this point in my life, at this age in my life, I would have said, hey, you'll have to turn around and go back the other way. We're setting up for a concert right here, so just back <laughs> off. I can't wait till I get to that age in my life when I can say all the things I've wanted to say and people will just chalk it up to dementia. You know what I mean? <laughs> Surprising, amazingly, the piano was not, was not broken. There were a couple pieces that fell off, of, but it was not, there wasn't even a string that was broken on the piano. We got it back into the truck, got it to their house. And you know those old, those big old heavy pianos that have iron wheels on them. So we're pushing it through the utility room to get it into the family room where it was going to sit. And it cut the vinyl on the linoleum, the vinyl floor. I was just sick. Bev at the end said, she says, I baked a chocolate pie for everybody. First time and only time in my life I have refused a piece of pie. I could not eat the chocolate pie. Now, I've, I've learned to laugh about that story in the last six months. And it's... <laughs> And it brings back a lot of memories. As a matter of fact, uh, Amy and Bev and I were out in the foyer and we were laughing about it in between services again. But God gives us memories to, to remind us of the funny things that have happened in our life so that we can have laughter. Michael Pritchard wrote, he said, you don't stop laughing because you grow old. You grow old because you stop laughing. Research indicates that the average person laughs over 500,000 times in a lifetime. In contrast to our tears, we cry only 3,000 times or less. If those statistics which are based on averages are even remotely accurate, it is worth noting that most of life is filled with far more laughter than it is tears, that God wants us to have fun, laughter, refreshing moments more than the sad. From a medical perspective, we now know that among the very positive effects, laughter also has a profound and instantaneous impact on virtually every vital organ in the body. Laughter reduces health-zapping tensions. It relaxes muscle tissue. Research estimates that laughing 100 times is equivalent to 15 minutes on a stationary bicycle and a whole lot more fun. Even when forced... Laughter has beneficial effects on us both mentally and physically. No wonder Proverbs makes this statement, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Laughter lasts a lifetime. And wrinkles come with age, but they look best when you're laughing. Help, helping people laugh helps you. Let your smile be your calling card. And like a pleasant cologne, let the joy of your laughter linger in a place long after you've gone. Stay young by growing older with grace and live every day grateful to God for his gift of life and laughter. God created us to laugh. 
So chuckle, snicker, giggle as often as you can because laughter is good medicine. And it really is the way we begin to build fun experiences. So what about the refreshing experiences? Well, they're maybe even more important. Let, let me take you to a passage in Luke chapter 10 this morning. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. This is about six months before the cross. And this is what we read in Luke 10 verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what it is better, what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, now hang on to verse 42. We'll get to that at the end, all right? In the chaos of our Lord's life, he needed place, places to go where he could be refreshed. The house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus was one of the few places that he could go. As I mentioned, he is, this is autumn. He is headed to Jerusalem. He will in the spring be crucified. And Jesus didn't have a place of his own. Uh, remember the verses in Matthew 8, 20. It says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So other than, under an olive tree on a hillside, next to a campfire beside the Sea of Galilee, whatever it was, the Creator himself had no place to stay. And so he would come to their house to be refreshed. And Martha was the consummate refresher. She was the hostess with with this passion to give to Jesus the very best they had to offer. Now, she is not to be faulted at this. It's just that she's missing the point here. Mary is sitting at the feet listening to every word that comes from Jesus' mouth. Martha's in the kitchen preparing bread for the evening meal. Mary is sitting at the feet of the bread of life. Martha gets, well, she gets all worked up. I mean, supper has to be just right for their special guests. There's fruit to be washed. There's olives to be gathered. There's meat sauce that needs to be simmered. There's bread to be baked. And she just loses it. Ken, author Ken Geyer writes this. He said, finally, she's had enough. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha is hot. She doesn't address Mary directly. She's too mad. She doesn't even call her by name. She refuses to call her my sister. And in unsheathing her tongue, she reveals her anger, anger that is double-edged. One side cuts Jesus, accusing him of lacking concern. The other cuts Mary, accusing her of laziness. Mary had discovered how to be refreshed. She's spending time with the Lord. She's soaking up every word. She's not thinking about physical food. She's thinking about spiritual food. It would not be long before Martha, I think, would have regretted not being there. I wonder if she would have changed her mind if she had known this was one of the last times that Jesus would have been in her home. I, I, I wonder if she had thought at the time of the crucifixion, I wish I had spent more time with Jesus. In about two months, or a little bit more. Her brother would die. Her brother would get sick and then he'd die. And, and then all of a sudden she's left with maybe not the words that she could have used that were given by Jesus that day. 
And even though Jesus comes back to Bethany four days after Lazarus dies and performs what I believe is the greatest miracle of his earthly ministry except for his own resurrection when he raised Lazarus from the dead after four days, there is a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of heartbreak. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of doubt that's going on with Martha. Oh, if only she had sat at the feet of Jesus instead of worrying about that silly meal. You see, Mary had chosen what is better. Attitude really is important, folks. Sometimes our attitude gets, well, gets a little bit confused. Almost sometimes our attitude is in conflict. <laughs> Heather Lobby wrote about the time when her mother, a teacher, had to deal with a furious parent because that parent's child had his, or his towel stolen at a, swim, a school swimming trip. Okay, so the kid's towel gets stolen during a school swimming trip. The father raged. He said, what kind of juvenile delinquents are in class with my child? Heather's mother assured the angry parent that they would try their best to find the missing towel and then ask what it looked like. And he said, it's white. And it says Holiday End on the very bottom of the towel. <laughs> Attitudes make a difference. And sometimes they get a little bit twisted and confused. You see, the only thing, only thing, only thing you can be in control of is your attitude. The Hope Health newsletter records this, says, because stress is often brought on by feelings of being out of control, one of the best ways to reduce stress is to remind yourself that you're always in control of your attitude. Take a deep breath and remind yourself that in 150 years, none of what is bothering you today will make a lick of difference. That's true, but I, I'd like to amend that. I'd like to say to you, Remember, 12 months from now, or 12 weeks from now, or maybe even 12 hours from now, what's bothering you right now won't matter. Worry and distress will keep you from being refreshed in the moment. And notice what Jesus says. He says, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, the, the sisters were different, to be sure. They thought different. They processed different. One was not better than the other. One was not right and the other wrong. They were just different. It is our role to recognize our own strengths and weaknesses and try to improve on the weak areas by finding refreshment in the Lord. A Navy chaplain did some research on the people that came to him from, from the Navy for counseling. And he discovered that of all the worries, all the problems, all the stresses, 92% of all the counseling that he did were on issues that didn't count. He said only 8% were real issues that had to be dealt with. If that's True to form, then that means 92% of what we get all hot and bothered about in the long run really doesn't matter. So try adding some balance to your life. Many things are good, but even the good without balance can become all-consuming. Learn how to say no. I realize that's hard, but it is also necessary if you want to survive. You cannot keep saying yes to everything and everything go well. Worry leads to anger. Anger leads to poorly focused life. It's hard to be right with the master when you and I are angry at the world at the same time. You just, you can't have peace and refreshment in your life when you are filled with stress and worry all the time. And so the end result of when we're 
Frustrated is embarrassment, regret, broken relationships, words that we wish we could take back and would never have spoken. I, I'm, I'm sure Martha wished lots of times in her life she had spent that time at the feet of Jesus. And did you know something unique here? Jesus never hollered into the kitchen. Hey, Martha, come out here. I want you to listen to what I have to say. He just let her go. You see, Jesus never begs us to spend time with him. The invitation is there. The offer is there. It has to be our choice. Again, both Mary and Martha were gifted to serve the Lord. They were both wonderful women. At this point, their priorities were just a little different. I like the way John Hamby puts it, though. He said, sitting without serving is powerless. Serving without sitting is directionless. Serving after sitting produces power and balance. Jesus gave us a clue in that last verse of what to do. Only one thing is needed, he says. In other words, be focused. Get your priorities straight. Choose what is better. Good is the enemy of best. In other words, there are a lot of good things out there. Spend your time on the best. And then cling what is lasting. What Mary has will not be taken from her. What you learn from Jesus will last you forever. So folks, focus on the best. Learn from the Lord and you will be refreshed. Let's say it one last time. We got this value. I want it to stick. Should be on the screen. You ready? We create fun, refreshing experiences. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org/messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.